This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris DeRusha, the Federal Chief Information Security Officer. Chris, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Hi, Jason. Great to be with you. OMB and the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency at DHS released a zero trust draft strategy. I'm very excited. I read through it yesterday or the other day, and there's a lot of good things in there. But let me start maybe at the beginning and this strategy really came together over the last maybe 60, 90 days since the president's uh, executive order on cybersecurity. Walk me through how it came together and what were some of those big goals that you were trying to, as you were developing this draft strategy, get across to agencies and industry. Like the cyber executive order, this was all born out of the solar winds incident and the subsequent pretty significant incidents that we've experienced uh, in the early half of this year showing us that our adversaries are leveraging increasingly sophisticated methods. And in response, we're feeling we've got to move pretty rapidly to adopt a new security paradigm, which we're terming zero trust. So one of the things that we realized though, was there's a lot of really good reference documents that do a fantastic job of defining what a mature zero trust architecture looks like. But and, and some of those produced by, by NIST, Department of Defense, several of our industry partners. But we didn't feel like there was a clear agency roadmap for them to follow. And that led us to take the approach that you see in the strategy that we've put out for public comment, where we're taking a phased approach organized around CIS's draft capability maturity model, defining set targets for agencies over a three-year period to achieve a certain first level of maturity across all the zero trust pillars. and and. That is, is, is by design to get agencies all moving in the right direction, and we'll support that with communities of practice, sharing best practices, um, surging technical support where possible, and really just sort of learning from this first phase for us of a multi-year journey that we, that we view this as. Now, as you all were working with CISA and other experts in the field, what was the discussions around what this should entail? In, in, in because one can step back and say, this was a pretty big document. There's a lot here that agencies have to do. And, you know, is OMB and CISA trying to boil the ocean, right? Or are you trying to eat the apple in one bite? I'll go back to some old sayings that we've heard over the years, because there's a lot going on. What was some of the thinking about why you tried to go across these, I think it was five pillars? Yeah, I mean, our, our view is that, A, agencies have been working on some level of zero trust implementation for years, even if we haven't been calling it that. So, for example, um, identity access management, multi-factor authentication. But what we know now is that if we leave one of the pillars uh, immature, that will be gapped and it's not gonna be an effective zero trust architecture. And although agencies are making a lot of progress on certain cones in certain areas, we, we find that there's several other areas which are far less mature uh, across the federal enterprise. And so, you know, for us, this is really about being clear what the priorities are, and that's what we're doing with public comment, making sure that we've got those initial priorities right and seeking that feedback and making adjustments if others who are further along on the journey have different lessons for us. Although it, it feels like a lot, and it, and it is, I think that it, it is clear to us that agencies are already on this path. We're just trying to bring it all together and make one clearly defined roadmap that we can all learn from together, benchmark progress on, 
and, and really kind of move out as one federal enterprise. Has OMB and or CISA done any sort of where are we now? Uh, I'm going to throw a little architecture at you. Any, any as is and, and to get to this to be? Well, certainly those assessments are going on. We're also trying to learn some lessons by leveraging the great opportunity we have with the billion dollars in the Technology Modernization Fund. As you can imagine, a lot of the project proposals that have come in to the TMF have been around developing zero trust plans. And we're thinking that's a great opportunity to really use the oversight governance and help that we provide in the TMF structure to, to get some of those assessments of where some, some big agencies some medium-sized agencies, small agencies are at currently and what, what they're going to need to do to be successful in helping them on that journey so that we can use those lessons learned to help everyone else. You know, independently from that, um, CISA definitely is, you know, has, a, has a team working on zero trust architecture and, and is getting a, a sense and feel for this with several agencies aside from that TMF work and they're a part of that, that TMF work as well. So, so the short answer is uh, yes, and we're, we're, we're moving out on that uh, as is in 2B assessments. I know that OMB has talked quite a bit about the TMF and, and, and what agencies have proposed and what they're asking for. And I don't quite remember, but I think you've mentioned before, or Claire, maybe the federal chief information officer has, has mentioned before, the number that are really leaning towards or a percentage, if you will, that are asking for cybersecurity slash zero trust. Does anything come to mind that you're able to share in terms of the TMS, TMF proposals? Well, certainly we're trying to galvanize around some specific areas for cybersecurity investments. You know, you know when you look at the TMF to, to get a prioritization structure, again, we got over, uh, I believe, almost 110 proposals. And so you, you, you do need a prioritization construct. So largely for security, it's been around uh, zero trust and modernizing legacy high value assets are the sort of two primary pillars that we're trying to galvanize around. And there are edge cases as well where there's just some exigent security investments that need to be made. They may relate to zero trust, maybe most focused just on ICAM and upgrading some legacy architecture, for example, you know, worthwhile investments. But for the most part, we're trying to stick to those two key pillars. And I know we could talk longer on the TMF stuff, but I'll move us back to the uh, draft strategy for zero trust. One of the things that I've read through this, and you kind of brought this up earlier in our conversation, is a lot of these efforts are not new. They've been ongoing, like multi-factor authentication. You mentioned the single sign-on capabilities is another one that, that I stood out to me. Why do you think agencies maybe are better positioned today to address these challenges than they were, you know, again, five, 10 years ago when agencies tried to do this and, and just have not been as successful as maybe we would hope them to be? Yeah, I think it's a, a, a great question, Jason. And look, you know, anytime you have to involve the end user in, in security, um, it's not easy. I, we, you know, we know this. And, but I, I do believe that several things have changed over the last few years. And we believe this is the right time to make a very strong push on these capabilities. You know, what are the things that have changed? Um, there's greater awareness now throughout enterprises and the entire cybersecurity community of the threats that are posed by having scattered or, or weak user account systems. And we also have seen that uh, breaking into user accounts can give adversaries uh, the foothold that they need to deploy ransomware or engage in other malicious activity. So things like password reuse and phishing you know, these are very, very common ways that adversaries are getting these footholds right now. 
And the phishing campaigns over the past five to 10 years have become a lot cheaper for adversaries and automated. So, you know, this is just an area where we've, we feel like we have no choice, um, but to make these the top priorities and push, push again, you know, on, on making progress. And, you know, also there's been developments in the technology for both single sign-on and multi-factor, um, which, which are great developments. And, uh, industry continue, continues to innovate here. You know, we talk about MFA, for example, our strategy touches on WebAuthn and you know, that's an open standard. Now it's supported by every major um, operating system and, and, and mobile phone and, and can be used by agencies where PIV may not be the optimal choice. And I, I don't think we would have said that that was the case five years ago. So, so look, you know, we've got greater government leadership support and better understanding of these challenges. And we're just committed to working with agencies to get them the resources that they're going to need. And then where where applicable, the policy flexibility to get these priorities done. Chris, on that note, let's take a quick break. My guest today is Chris Russia, the Federal Chief Information Security Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Russia, the Federal Chief Information Security Officer. I'm glad you bring up the two things here is partner with agencies and resources. I think one of the big challenges with any cyber EO, any, any big challenge with any policy like this is a lot of agencies look at this and say, this is an unfunded mandate. I'm already spending so much money on cybersecurity and now you're asking me to do more different is there a process, again, two questions come to mind. One, is there a process that agencies are in the middle of right now to change their budget requests for 2023? And secondly, is there some sort of process for agencies beyond the TMF and working capital funds, which I know you all call out in the strategy, to move money, to, to say, instead of spending it on X, we're going to spend it over here on Y, because now Y is a higher priority. Are those conversations happening? Because I think the funding issue is the biggest, probably, challenge of all of this. Well, we're definitely working closely with our resource management colleagues within OMB to make sure they understand, you know, what we mean by the zero trust strategic priorities and the types of investments we're expecting um, to see from agencies. You know, in the plan, we've asked for 60-day uh, implementation and resource plans back from agencies, which we plan to be heavily involved and in ensure are are the right investment choices. So, so again, though, that really is FY23 and forward. And we're moving fast and having some of those conversations now because the, as you know, the budget process is, is, is definitely moving forward in earnest for 23. But look, you know, it is about reprioritization, Jason. I mean, there are finite resources. We know that. But we are moving towards a new security paradigm. And it's, it's time for everyone to take a hard look at what they're doing, make sure that it is the right plan for now and forward and make sure that it aligns to this new strategic direction that we're putting out. And that, that is our expectation, but, but I'll tell you, I think most, most agencies that we're interacting with so far are, are very positive about that. And, and as, I, as you may have pointed out earlier, that you know, they're, they're already sort of moving in this direction on their own. And we're just trying to make sure that it's a consistent standardized approach. Absolutely. When I talk to CIOs or CISOs, it's always zero trust is, is always brought up, even sometimes before I bring it up. So uh, I, I think uh, a lot of this is what you're asking for is, is in the process. It's just, I think there's an acceleration that's, that's happening. Uh, Chris, couple, just, I know we're almost out of time, but two last quick questions. Uh, I think the first one that's really important is the oversight 
the accountability piece. Three years seems like a long time to get this work done, but the, the need for constant reminders, discussions, how are you doing? What are you doing? Are you not doing it? What's the plan for that accountability? What role are you bringing in the President's Management Council or, 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 the, or other uh, senior leadership to ensure that this is not just, if you will, another EO that uh, gets, gets short-term attention, but long-term it really doesn't make a difference? Well, look, I mean, this is a, a, a top priority for this administration's senior cyber leadership. I think you saw that in our announcement, came out with one voice, one website for, for both DHS and OMB documents and really just positive, energized quotes from all the senior leaders. Everybody wants to see agencies successful on this journey. And, you know, to your point about three years, it's, it's true. You know, three years sounds like a long time, but in our world, you know, it's, it's, it's not. And that's why we're taking this in phases and we're, we're trying to be iterative here and put out this initial strategy, initial direction, galvanize public to, to give us feedback and make sure it's the best plan that we can draw out today and then be agile about that and, and do this in phases. And so that, you know, a few years from now, we're penning the next phase of this and we'll have learned a lot in that journey. And we do expect to learn a lot. And, and I think that we're humble to the fact that um, most organizations are really just starting on the zero trust journey and, and I think that, that you see that reflected in the approach that we've um, taken in this strategy. All right, and Chris, I see we're just about out of time. So last question for you here. We're in the draft stage. We're, you're gonna get comments back sometime in uh, September. What's the timing to get to final? Do you hope to get to final three months from now, six months from now? And because I think even though agencies are not gonna wait for final to be done, I think that helps with the funding issue, that helps with the accountability issue, that helps with the prioritization issue for non-CIO CISO types. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, you know, we've, we've got an aggressive public comment timeframe. We're, we're, we're looking for feedback by September 21. That's only two weeks. And I think that should be an indicator for you that we're working aggressively to, to get this done and to turn the, turn the document for final publication. But we anticipate it, it will take some time to adjudicate the, the feedback that we're going to get and then clear it for release. And so, you know, look, Jason, we're just, all I can say is we're balancing this extreme sense of urgency with a need to ensure that we've got the right plan. All right, Chris, I know we could talk a lot longer, but I know you got to jump. So uh, let me thank my guest. Chris Russia is the Federal Chief Information Security Officer. Chris, always a pleasure to catch up. Thanks, Jason. Great to speak with you. I'm Jason Miller, and when we come back, we'll switch gears to talk about the effort to modernize federal financial management. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. In the next two segments of the show, we'll switch gears a little bit and talk about the effort to modernize federal financial management. My guest today is Matt Miller, the Acting Commissioner of the Bureau of Fiscal Service in the Department of Treasury. Matt, great to meet you, and thanks for joining the discussion. Thanks for having us, Jason. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, the CUSMO, one of my favorite acronyms, too. So this is the Quality Service Management Office for financial management in this case. And you all released a request for information recently. Let's just start there. Let's talk about what the RFI is looking to do. Give me the high-level view of the RFI. Before we just dive right into this RFI that we released, let's kind of step back a couple steps and get the broader context. So, so let's talk about the goals of the of the financial management QSMO overall and Treasury's vision for that, and then we'll 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 walk through how that plays into this recent RFI. So, so more broadly speaking, Treasury 
has a future envisioned state and goal around the financial management QSMO that it will establish a marketplace and then serve as the overall broker of that marketplace. So the QSMO won't be a provider in the marketplace. There will be many providers, but the QSMO will, will act as the broker, brokering agencies access to the services and solutions in the marketplace. We envision that that marketplace will have both federal and commercial uh, service providers. We envision that that marketplace will provide agencies with flexibility and choice, but the flexibility and choice will be of standards-based solutions. And kind of the marquee aspect or the centerpiece of this envisioned marketplace uh, will be a modern cloud-based, service-based uh, core financial management software solutions uh, that will come with a, as a starting point, an, an initial set of standard capabilities we sometimes refer to as like baseline solution capabilities that we've worked with agencies um, on establishing. So that's our overall vision for the QSMO. So, so Treasury's in this role has, has been performing a lot of market research, working both with agencies um, as the customers or consumers of the marketplace, also with industry as, as some of the key providers or suppliers in the marketplace. We certainly think that, that the partnership with industry is going to be critical to the success of the QSMO initiative in the marketplace. Because uh, as I said, we're really, for, for, for that marquee part of the marketplace, we're really looking for industry. We're looking for the commercial providers to be bringing those modern, configurable, uh, kind of service-oriented uh, software solutions that will help, uh, hopefully, government and agencies reduce uh, perhaps some duplicative uh, technology footprint as well as maybe reduce some of the burden for uh, agency CFOs and, and their folks um, to, to not have as much burden when it comes to maintaining uh, software and technology. So, so that's kind of where we're at and what we're about. Now, this RFI is actually the second RFI that, that the QSMO has uh, issued to industry. So we've been engaging industry. We've had some industry days. We actually issued our first RFI last December, December of 2020. Got a lot of feedback from industry on that. We were thrilled with the level of, of uh, participation and response we got there. The key thing that's been happening in the intervening few months, the last six months or so since last December, is another round of engagement with agencies, a series of workshops with them to really help define what we're referring to as the financial management capabilities framework, or this would be kind of what is that baseline solution set of capabilities, including, including things like standard interfaces and the like, that we will expect industry to include as part of those software solutions in the marketplace. And so this most recent um, RFI that you um, alluded to at the beginning of June is, you know, we kind of reiterate some of our vision for the marketplace and some of the associated concepts but we really put a lot more meat on the bone this time. We really added a lot more detail in terms of what do we anticipate, what are we thinking about in terms of that baseline solution set and some of the solutions we're looking for, especially around uh, software and the associated delivery model. There's a lot to unpack there. Let me start with the, the basic. You started by saying we have a vision, we have a plan, we're, we're engaging with industry. What did you learn from that December 2020 RFI that really helped influence this current second RFI that came out in June. So that first RFI back in December, again, it, was, it wasn't as lengthy. It wasn't as detailed. Again, it was more focused on, on, on the vision and some of those associated concepts, as I, was, as I said, and looking to get some initial feedback from industry on that. We were thrilled with the response. We, 
uh, had, I think, over 35 different industry participants that responded with detailed feedback uh, on various aspects of our vision. We learned a lot about potential marketplace participants. Uh, nearly all of those respondents indicated that they had a high uh, level of interest in participating uh, in the marketplace in the future. Uh, most of them already had uh, some level of GSA schedule uh, contracts in place. There was also a good uh, kind of diversity of, uh, of, of vendors and providers, including you know, small businesses and, and representation from many of the socioeconomic categories that were represented. So we got a lot of good feedback, but I would say that the, one of the overriding pieces of feedback that we think we were then responsive to in the second RFI is, again, a lot of confirmation and validation of the vision, of the approach that, yes, this sounds like a good model. It sounds like it's, it's new and it's different than, than past approaches to shared services. Again, a lot of support and enthusiasm for that and desire to participate, but there was then a request and ask for, give us more, give us more detail, put more meat on the bone in terms of what are you thinking uh, more specifically around, you know, the operating models, the, the service delivery models, and then specifically, uh, you, you know, what are we envisioning would, would be a part of this baseline solution set in the core financial systems. So this second RFI, as you mentioned, has that meat on the bone. There's a lot there in the RFI. I have to be honest. I didn't read every word, every sentence, but but I did look, take a good look through it. If you could pick one or two sections, one or two areas, one, one or two things that, that really industry should focus on and, and agencies alike. You're right, Jason. There's a lot of information in, in this uh, second RFI. As I said, it does build on what we shared in the previous RFI to help industry uh, really understand the contents of that. You know, we, we've, we've held some office hour sessions to answer questions, walk through the format and its content. Those sessions were well attended. We, we got a lot of good questions. And again, that's just an indication of how thoroughly and seriously interested industry is. And so we were excited about that. We appreciate that. To your question, uh, you know, again, definitely looking for industry to provide feedback on what we're proposing as the core financial system baseline uh, capabilities, as well as if there are other types of offerings that should be considered in the marketplace. We've also got uh, information in there that we're looking for feedback on in terms of how should we uh, measure the performance of service providers. We also have information in there that we'd be looking for feedback on in terms of we, we know that before we establish the marketplace, we're going to have to evaluate potential solution providers to make sure that their solutions, um, you know, kind of meet the, the needs of the marketplace. And so, you know, looking for feedback on our evaluation approach for, for that, and then ultimately, you know, overall marketplace roles and responsibilities. So those are, are a few of the key areas I would highlight where we're really interested uh, in industry uh, feedback. Um, as it relates to agencies, we're, we're engaging with agencies, as I said, extensively and through other tracks. So we're not looking or expecting agencies to respond to the RFI, but really looking for industry feedback in those areas I highlighted. We know based on history that there are agency providers you know, providing financial management. Treasury, ARC was one of them, Interior Business Center, National Finance Center, just a couple to, to come to mind. How are you engaging with them if not through this RFI or are, or, or that's a separate kind of engagement, meaning you're asking CFOs and financial management experts and, and others, the CFO council, that's one engagement, but maybe the shared, the current shared service providers would engage with you through this RFI. 
so you're right, Jason. There are what what's um, you know the the underlying um, OMB guidance that kind of initiated the QSMO uh, initiative a couple of years ago specifically talks about what what they refer to as the legacy federal shared service providers. And and you're right, they've uh, Treasury's ARC, uh, uh, Interior Business Center, uh, Transportation's Enterprise Service Center, as, as well as uh, USDA have played a pivotal role in shared services heretofore. And so part of the underlying guidance and part of our charge as the QSMO is, yes, we engage with agencies broadly um, as agencies need to be consumers in this marketplace. But in addition to that agency engagement, we have a a separate uh, kind of work stream or track of engagement specifically with those four legacy providers to try to determine what is their appetite to continue to provide uh, those type or similar type services in the future in the marketplace, ensuring that the, the senior leadership of their parent organizations support that. So we've had a lot of engagement with those providers uh, trying to get clarity around that. Uh, also, we would say that while all the agencies can be consumers of the marketplace, we would expect that even, even one of these federal providers that wants to maybe offer their services in the marketplace, we still would be looking for their commitment that, that they ultimately would be also consumers in the marketplace. And what I mean by that is, uh, again, really to try to get to more standard, cloud-based, modern financial systems, reduce the number of different systems that are out there or variations of configurations of systems out there at agencies. We would be looking for, if one of those legacy federal providers wants to be a provider of their services, you know, whether that be transaction processing or, or the like in the marketplace, we're looking for their commitment that they will ultimately adopt those same modern commercially provided cloud-based financial system solutions in the marketplace. And in fact, one of the other things we're looking for those legacy federal providers to sign up to be is to be early adopters even of those financial system solutions in the marketplace. So it's, it's kind of a complex dynamic, but we have a separate track of engagement with agencies broadly, and then a separate track even more specifically with those, with those four legacy federal providers. Matt, when you look back at this effort, not just the QSMO effort, but really the financial management shared services effort, it dates back to, I think we're pushing 15 or 16 years now, I think 2005, 2006 timeframe. How have you been building on that work that's been done and looked at and, and re-looked at over the last, again, 15, 16 years? Because one of the things that is, is concerning when you look at shared services is the whole, well, not invented here, reinvent the wheel approach to to this. Now, cloud brings in a whole different set of challenges or opportunities, but a lot of the standards, a lot of the baseline, a lot of these ideas have been gone over time and again. So help me understand how is the past influencing your current and future? You're right. The, you know, this is not shared services. It's certainly not a new concept uh, in the federal space. There has been some, you know, some mixed results and some degree of success with those past initiatives. I would say the success is, is more prevalent when it comes to smaller agencies as opposed to the medium to large sized uh, agencies. Although, you know, Treasury's ARC that you mentioned before provides services to uh, HUD cabinet level agency, and then most recently, uh, Transportation's Enterprise Service Center just migrated OPM, uh, another CFO uh, Act agency, into their shared solution. So there's been some level of success. Again, I would say we're trying to take the good from those and then learn where there's opportunities. You know, again, the underlying premise is standardization and reuse. You know, where can, where can you leverage things that are common uh, rather than creating and building customer unique? 
I think that one of the key areas of distinction in, in this approach moving forward that, that we think will, will really be beneficial is much more of a focus on the customer and the customer experience. That's one of our guiding principles. And we've been very intentional about uh, you know, having many human design uh, centered workshops with agencies, being very intentional about getting agency feedback on the types of services that need to be in the marketplace, uh, the level of standardization versus the level of flexibility that, that needs to be allowed for in these cloud-based system offerings. So we've been very intentional there. I, I would say that one of the key distinctions that we'll see in this marketplace as opposed to the most recent marketplace, if you will, uh, under the most recent initiative that, that spawned from uh, OMB Memo 1308 a few years ago, is the result of OMB 1308 created a federal-only and a provider-centric marketplace. So there were the four designated federal providers that, that we've talked about. Uh, they all brought to market or brought to bear a solution, a standard solution. Um, they were good solutions, they were solid solutions, but there wasn't as much flexibility and there wasn't the ability or as much ability for the commercial providers to interact directly in the marketplace as well. So, so now what we're looking at is uh, a marketplace that will, that will allow interaction with both commercial and federal, but still trying to allow uh, that flexibility and choice, but, stand, but incorporating the standards into the solution. And, and again, with that prior marketplace, there were these four solutions. And if they met your needs, great, but especially for larger agencies, if, if there were capabilities in, in the software or the related services that didn't meet their needs, there wasn't as much flexibility uh, there to be responsive. So with this marketplace, uh, again, a combination of commercial and federal providers, also much more of a customer or a, a solution-centric marketplace is what we're building. And so hopefully, again, with that, that focus on customer experience and the voice of the customer, we're, we're taking the good from the past in, uh, initiatives and shared services and then building on it with some of the lessons learned. Matt, thanks for that. I think that, that really helps kind of put into better context how this initiative has evolved and continues to evolve. Matt, on that note, let's take a quick break. My guest today is Matt Miller, the Acting Commissioner of the Bureau of Fiscal Service in the Department of Treasury. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Matt Miller, the Acting Commissioner of the Bureau of Fiscal Service in the Treasury Department. Today, we're talking about the Treasury's Quality Service Management Office, Financial Management Shared Services Offering. We talked a little bit about this RFI. Of course, people can read it. It's on We'll, we'll link it to federalnewsnetwork.com as well as you, they can find it through the SAM.gov and, and through many other websites on, in, in government. What's the timeline here? You're going to get responses back. And then what happens when I read through the RFI, I was a little surprised to say, you know, the goal is to have some shared services in place by fourth quarter 2022. We're, we're talking about roughly a year from now. It, it just seems like that's a long time away understandably, there's a lot to do between now and then. So tell what's that look like? What is your timeline and what is your goals during on, on that timeline? The RFI, as you said, went out at the beginning of June. We're like, you're right, our target timeline, um, and, and this is quite honestly a pretty aggressive target when we think about the things that we need to accomplish, is that we would hope to try to have the initial marketplace available by the end of 2022. One of the key uh, areas uh, that we'll have to focus on between now and then 
is we're partnering closely with GSA as treasury. We're, we're not acquisition experts. That's what we're partnering with GSA to leverage their expertise in their federal acquisition service. We're working together with them to try to, to determine what is the right acquisition approach to bring to bear all the commercial aspects of the marketplace. Uh, again, this is, this, is a, this is going to be a complex acquisition approach that we need to figure out. We need to be creative and innovative. And, and, in, and in trying to work out what that acquisition approach is, we, we've got the, some end goals in mind. For, from an agency standpoint, we want this marketplace that we would build. We want it to be easy to access, easy to navigate, easy to consume the services that are needed from that marketplace. So we need to think about that in the acquisition approach. From an industry standpoint, we wanna make sure that whatever approach we use to build this marketplace, that it allows for competition, that it allows for innovation, that it allows for on-ramps and off-ramps uh, over time for different providers, that it allows for uh, new emerging enterprises and businesses to become a part of the marketplace. So there's a lot of careful thought and consideration into trying to nail down what's the right acquisition approach. Then executing that acquisition approach is, is going to take, you know, certainly many months to do. So again, really, when you put all that together, uh, an end of 22 uh, timeline is it's going to be here before you know it. So, so that's what we're pressing for kind of aggressively, but, but have a lot of details to kind of work out. In addition to executing that acquisition strategy, you know, another key part of what we're going to have to do uh, before we can stand up the marketplace is evaluate the potential solutions to determine, you know, how they and to what extent they meet uh, the needs of the marketplace. So those are just a few things that are kind of driving uh, towards that timeline that, that, as I said, is, is, it is a bit aggressive, but that's kind of what we're marching towards. I'll also draw your attention to one other thing, and this this, this is a result of, uh, of another aspect of our agency engagement uh, over the past year. We also went out last year to agencies with a data call. Uh, data calls can be burdensome, so we, we tried to be very uh, diligent and prudent at, at the uh, information we were asking for. But really what we were trying to do was get feedback from agencies so that we could establish and then the QSMO maintain uh, kind of this baseline understanding of the federal financial management systems that are in place at agencies today. So we were asking for things like, you know, who's your system provider today, you know, the product, the version, the D-support dates, and also some information about the hosting arrangement. You know, are you hosted on-prem and the cloud? You know, who's your hosting provider? That sort of thing. We got a really good response. And from that, the information has been very useful and it really helped validate and confirm the criticality of the need of establishing this marketplace as quickly as possible. So what we found, Jason, from that uh, data call is that while we didn't get detailed information from Department of Defense, and we know that they have many systems in place across uh, that vast enterprise, but even excluding DOD, from the other agencies, what we found out is that today there are in place 56 separate installations of core financial systems. And half of those are going to be in need of either a major upgrade or some sort of acquisition or action to extend their life beyond 2025. So just four years away, half of the agencies are going to be facing some sort of modernization need. Also, 60% of those systems are hosted uh, on-prem today. And so again, those results of that data call uh, did a couple things. 
Number one, it helps us understand which agencies might have the more time sensitive needs and where we need to focus our uh, partnership with, with agencies on to try to prioritize uh, adoption in the marketplace. But also it definitely underscored the importance of and the need and the value of this marketplace well in advance of 2025. Otherwise, these agencies, uh, just like in the past, are going to be kind of left to their own uh, to, to go through these uh, high risk and complex financial system modernization initiatives. Thanks for bringing up the data call. I think that's really important data to understand, not just that there's a market, right, That, but how what, what, the, what the current state of the market is. I, I want to go down that path, but before I do that, let me take a half a step back. I, I know you, you all, you and GSA are still working through the acquisition strategy. So asking you, what, what, what is the acquisition strategy? Probably you'll give me the answers we don't know yet. So let me try to go one step further because I know a lot of uh, vendors will be interested. When do you hope to have that acquisition strategy finalized? So we need to have that marketplace acquisition strategy really nailed down this summer. So we're, we're working very aggressively um, towards that. Our initial hopes then is that we would have uh, an RFP or solicitation or whatever the appropriate step is um, based on that acquisition strategy is, is that we would have something uh, like, like that or of that nature released uh, by the end of the fiscal year. So again, that, that date's a little bit dependent on, again, finalizing the approach, but, but that gives you a rough you know, kind of timeline of, of what, what we're hoping and trying to march for. Again, if, if we're going to have a marketplace uh, up by the end of 2022, uh, we're not going to be able to extend those dates much beyond what I just mentioned. And of course, you have to build in the potential protests that you potentially will, will face, unless if uh, you guys take a good acquisition strategy and say, we'll let everyone in who's qualified. But I know that's that's a GSA thing. I won't ask you to comment too much on that. Let, let me take a half a step back to the data call, because I think that's also important. Now, we've done stories recently, for instance, on the with the Homeland Security Department and their move to centralize internally their financial management system, but they also need to modernize. I'm sure other agencies are at that point where not just by 2025, but by 2022 or 2023, they're really going to be in tough shape. What's the short-term advice you're giving to agencies who say to you, I really need this today, not a year from now or not two years from now when everything's in place and I can get an acquisition through the whatever process that, that, that exists? That's the reality of the situation, right? We're, we're building this. Again, it's a multi-year effort and the world can't just stop during that time. And so many agencies had uh, more immediate modernization needs that clearly their needs were going to be in advance of when a marketplace was available and established. In those cases, and, and you bring up DHS, they're one of the prime examples. Uh, Department of Commerce would be another example I'd point to, uh, as well as a, a, a small number of other agencies that had those more immediate modernization needs. And the QSMO and those agencies are working very closely together. And I think it's a it's been a beneficial partnership and kind of a win-win for both the QSMO and those agencies. So we're actively working with them on their modernization efforts. Uh, we're sharing best practices and lessons learned. Uh, we're providing feedback. We're also learning from them. You know, what are their lessons learned as they're trying to do things within their agencies that we can then apply those learnings into the establishment of the marketplace. So uh, again, I, I think that's been a very beneficial partnership. Again, with some of those early agencies, I think if you went and asked their uh, deputy CFOs or their staff, I think they would collaborate or cooperate with what I'm saying and that, that uh, the QSMO has been a beneficial partner to them. And so for other agencies that have these modernization needs on the horizon, 
that would be the overall message is that, and, and our goal here is that, you know, the QSMO is not going to be viewed, again, as a provider. The QSMO is not going to be viewed as an oversight body. What we're really trying to position the QSMO to, to be viewed as is as a strategic planning partner for those agencies. And so in addition to the marketplace itself, the, the QSMO, it's a small team, but there's a lot of expertise and experience um, when it comes to this space and, and implementing and using financial management systems. And so when agencies have a need, and again, it could be uh, through, through the collaboration and planning that we find out that the marketplace and the timing will work out that it could meet their needs. It could be that they need to go ahead and initiate some of their planning efforts or, or, or other things in advance of that. But we want to be partners with them and we want to be involved and engage with them early in that planning process. How closely are you all also working with GSA and the payroll providers and that effort? We know that payroll separate, quote unquote, from financial management, but really payroll is financial management at the same time. So what are you learning from them or, or what's the coordination between the two efforts? Two things come to mind. The, the first one, what I would say is not just limited to uh, payroll or, or, you know, to the HR QSMO, but through Earl Pinto's group at GSA. Um, the Office of Shared Services, there is a group where all of the QSMOs, you know, so OMB is designated, you know, for QSMOs, you know, in, in financial management, uh, in, in uh, HR and payroll specifically, as well as in grants, and then in cybersecurity. Uh, and so there is a forum where, you know, there's a roundtable group where over the last couple of years, uh, all four of those QSMOs are, um, are getting together and collaborating and trying to determine where might we need to have common approaches? Where might we need to be aligned in all of our various marketplaces that we're trying to stand up? So we're trying to be very cognizant of, again, providing a, a good overall customer or user experience, not just you know, for one marketplace, but for all of the QSMOs together. So, so that collaboration has been positive and that, and that um, continues. And then more specifically, when it comes to payroll, you're right, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot of key touch points between uh, payroll and financial management. You know, for a lot of agencies, payroll is one of the largest expenses of an agency. And that's where I would come back to as, as we've thought about and worked with agencies on what is this baseline set of capabilities that the financial management system solutions need to have. A key part of that is they, there needs to be these standard uh, interfaces or what we're referring to as standard business exchanges between the financial system and a lot of these other key uh, systems, payroll being a prime example of that, but also whether it be travel, acquisition, you know, grants, and, and on and on. And so in that capability framework that, we're, that we've included in this most recent RFI, is a lot of information around these standard business exchanges, where again, we've worked with agencies, we've worked with the other lines of business, uh, including payroll, on what should these standard interfaces look like. So, again, I think there's a couple of, of relevant uh, touch points between us and the uh, HR, the, pay, uh, the payroll piece most specifically. Very nice. And we will continue to follow your efforts and your, uh, your improvements. So let me thank my guest. Matt Miller is the Acting Commissioner of the Bureau of Fiscal Service in the Department of Treasury. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time today. My pleasure, Jason. Thank you. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. Your story. 
It lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small-town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it, whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.